It's a black light, Raj. I remember saying flatly as Roger, the TV executive for Channel V, held up the contraption in front of me and waved it once or twice in front of my face, showing me the stains that I would not have been able to see with the naked eye. I think, and from the way I said it, Raj understood that I was not impressed. I had been called to this meeting with Roger on my agent's request because he had promised me that he had something that would help me relaunch my ailing television career. When he pulled out the small ultraviolet wand linked to the laptop monitor and started waving it around so that my teeth, trainers, and dandruff lit up like neon, I realized that he didn't have anything of the sort and that was going to be yet another wasted meeting. Over the last three years, I've had to watch in dismay as my career on the small screen had gone slowly into a tailspin of inevitable decline. Whereas five or six years ago, I was hosting a primetime game show that pulled massive viewing figures. Now I was relegated to a Sunday morning and midday slot that nobody but students and the unemployed ever saw and nobody really cared about. The fading of my star had not happened all at once. I wasn't canceled for saying something outrageous or dropped by the television company for some bad habit. Instead, the downhill slide was slow. First, the shows were moved to earlier time slots then I was moved to shows with much more lower viewing figures. Then even earlier slots and eventually had my name removed from the titles of the show altogether. Clearly someone at head office, someone like Raj, had decided that I wasn't cool or edgy anymore and that I should be relegated to the graveyard shift and my career put out to pasture. This however did not fit with any of my plans. So I bullied and bribed and pastored my agent and any executive who owed me a favor to get back on the screen, to find any new or trendy looking show that might help me get back into the spotlight. When Raj got in touch with this promise, I thought it was my chance, but clearly it wasn't. You don't understand, he said, still grinning like a Cheshire cat on happy pills. There are only four of these in the world. We got to try it out because we're going to feature it on one of our tech programs. Basically, it is like a blacklight. It shows ends of the color spectrum that we can't see, but apparently it also does something to the light, like it slows the wave down or speeds up the way we see it or filters it or something, so you can see all kinds of stuff. Stuff that normally blacklights would never see and that you wouldn't even know was there with the naked eye. So it's a fancy blacklight, I intoned, still unimpressed and checking my watch to see whether if I left straight away, I could still catch the three o'clock train. No, 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 you don't get it. See, here's the thing. We were going to do one of those black light shows. Send someone to the Ridge Hotel up in Moulton and get them to look at the hotel rooms to expose how filthy they really are if you look at them under this kind of light. I interrupted, partly because my disappointment with Raj was grating on me, but mostly because this was exactly what I thought he'd suggested when he'd whipped the contraption out in the first place. That sounds terrible, not to mention the fact that it's been done over and over. That's nothing new. You promised me this was going to be exciting and... Now it was Roger's turn to interrupt. Oh, oh it is, you'll see. Saying this, he flipped on the television. Staring out from the screen was Dale Fulton, a crass, talentless, Z-less television personality who would do literally anything to be on TV. He was a bore, an attention hog, and an idiot. He also happened to be my biggest rival for the sorts of shows I was good at presenting. I almost jumped out of my chair in protest, but Raj motioned me to wait. Okay, 
So we hired Dale to do one of those basic hotel rooms are dirtier than you think shows, right? We sent him to the Ridge in Moulton to film. Only thing is, for this gizmo to work, you have to be completely, and I mean completely, in the dark. You turn it on, shine it around the room, and then you see the enhanced view or whatever of the place projected on the monitor, like the TV screens on your laptop. We were expecting to see stains on the bed, hairs that haven't been removed, or big smears of suspect liquids, that kind of thing. But listen, as he flipped the pause video to play, I saw Dale's hateful little face spring into life, and yet there was something clearly different about him. Usually, whenever Dale was on screen, you had to wear sunglasses because the glare from his fake white teeth and massive toothy grin was enough nearly to blind you. Now, though, there was no smile. Instead, he sat with his mouth so tightly closed that his lips seemed to almost entirely disappear. His skin, which was usually so badly spray-tanned that it looked like he bathed in furniture polish, looked pale, despite the fake tan, and his eyes looked weary and tired. Bloody hell, I said aloud. What happened to him? Rod shot me an awkward glance. Watch, he said quietly. At that moment, Dale began to speak. Whatever this spectral mitrum thing is, and how it works, I don't know, but we need to get more of them and for them to be installed in every home. He was referring to the blacklight that Rod had shown me earlier. There are things, Dale said almost in a whisper, that everyone needs to see. I glanced up at Rog, but he was standing, arms folded, staring at the screen. He had clearly seen the clip before, and yet still seemed fixated, almost hypnotized by it. We went to Moulton, Dale continued, dropping his eyes over and over, refusing, it seemed to me, to look into the camera, something that, like me, he had been doing for most of his professional life, and which I could not imagine would make him comfortable. I went into the hotel room, a right dump of a place, and the manager led us to this room. Now, I don't know how it could be the case, but I'm convinced that he knew. That he knew that there was something not right about this room. Anyway, I walked in. I put the laptop down on the chair beside me. Mark, the cameraman, is filming me with one of those night vision cameras. And I'm supposed to turn off all the lights, and then act shocked when I find out the place is absolutely filthy like all hotel rooms are. So I did. I turned the lights off. I'm standing there in the pitch black, and I'm starting to move the wand back and forth, watching the monitor for bits of light that show up. Now straight away you can see the whole end of the bed is covered in some kind of stain. There's splatters all up the wall, and all sorts that I could act shocked about, and try to give a soundbite that could be used for an advert for the show. Now, at this point Mark and I are standing there, in the pitch black. I can't even see him standing to my right, and he can only see me through the camera lens. The only thing I can see of the room is what's on the monitor. But then I look back at the screen and, well, there was someone there. Not Mark, not the guy who brought us to the room, but someone else just standing there, in the corner, just the shape of a man, but without a face. I look again, trying to see if it was a mistake. I looked over toward where I knew Mark would be and waved the wand at him, and I could see him standing there, just filming away like nothing had happened. Because the thing is, he couldn't see it. The man, or whatever was in the corner, he, he wasn't there. Like not there in the night vision. Not there when the light was on, but in the dark, 
when you turned the light off and the whole room was black, then he was there, just standing and watching. And if you didn't have one of those black light things, you'd never know. I didn't know what to do. I just stood there, frozen, and looking at this shape in the corner. And all of a sudden, I started wondering, if I can see it, can it see me? I tried to move the light away from it, in case, shining on it, let it see me or us in the room. But, but as I did, I dropped it. And that's when I saw the shape in the corner didn't have legs. I mean, it did, but they were joined, like one big thick piece, like a tail or something. And all around him, there was this stuff, all silvery and wet. When I dropped the light, it shone up onto the ceiling and I could see trails, dozens and dozens of trails, like something that a slug or a snail would leave behind crisscrossing all over the ceiling. In each corner, there were four or five tiny versions of this thing, all squished together in a weird little ball, like they were, I don't know, hatching or something. I know how it sounds, but I swear it was there. At that point, Dale Fulton, famous for his ever-present grin, burst into tears. Raj paused the video. Dale ran screaming out, I know you want to say he's lying, but I'm telling you, whatever he saw scared him shitless. He actually wet himself in that room and he didn't stop screaming for almost 15 minutes. I don't know what this black light thing does, what part of the light it shows you, or if it shows you more than you're supposed to, but whatever it showed Dale, it's probably there. We just can't see it. I felt the muscles in my stomach contract and tighten as if someone were gripping me forcefully around the waist. Part of me knew that if this was even half true and if the footage Rod had shown me was owned by the company, then this would be a massive hit. Seeing the unseen, showing the world something that even science says should not be there, a whole new world filled with horrors. It would be a sensation. Part of me wanted to jump at the chance to be involved to be the one to go back to Moulton and film whatever was slithering across the ceiling unseen in those rooms. But then, a second heavier grounding thought dragged me back to reality. The fact that I had no idea who or what the thing Dale described actually was. A ghost, a demon, or a monster. Something from a dimension that we can't usually see. And what if, when I go to that hotel, the thing knows I'm there? Just because we can't see it, I thought, doesn't mean it can't see us. Raj explained over the course of the next hour exactly what the proposed show would look like. It would begin with an explanation of how the original show was going to be made. Then the clip of Dale, terrified and clearly affected by what he had seen. Then it would be me, bravely offering to return to the hotel, to shine the light on whatever was in the room and to record it providing the world with its first glimpse of whatever really lurks in the shadows. I told him, I'd think about it. On my way home that night, I called Murray, my agent, and explained the idea to him. For a long time, he didn't say anything. Then he asked me to drive not to my own house, but straight to his offices. At first, I thought perhaps he wanted to celebrate, that he recognized this would be a fantastic opportunity. But something about his voice, the hollow, reedy way in which he told me to come over convinced me otherwise. I was at Murray's office for less than 15 minutes. 20 minutes after arriving, I called Raj and told him no. 
As soon as I walked in, Murray sat me down in a chair and handed me his laptop. On it were seven different open tabs on his desktop, all of which were news reports about missing persons. Some were lone travelers, one a businessman, one was about a mother and her two kids. In every case, the individual or individuals had vanished into thin air, never to be seen again, and in every case, their last known location was the Ridge Hotel in Moulton. Now, I'm not saying that whatever Dale saw took or ate these people. I'm not saying that they slipped somehow into the space where these things exist, a parallel place that we can never see. I'm not saying it because if I do, I might have to live with the idea that it could be true. That things beyond the range of our senses, hideous, malformed things that nest in the corners, not only exist but impact us, and though we can't see them, they can not only see us but feed upon us. That every night when we turn off the lights, we risk being hunted. What I will say is that a week after Raj offered me this job, the contraption he showed me was quickly reclaimed by the company that made it. It has never reached the market, and the patent on the product was sold a week later to a government organization working in defense. The footage of Dale's statement has never been made public, and now he denies that the incident ever took place, which I suppose should be enough to reassure me. But it isn't. Every night since I saw that tape, I lay in bed awake, picturing those silvery trails sneaking across my ceiling, wondering all the while whether the thing that makes them is watching me as I do.